And as you're grabbing your seat, let's pick up our Bibles. We're going to be back in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, Ephesians 6.18. Let me welcome those of you that are joining us online or right here in the room. If this is your first time with us, we're glad you're here. Welcome home. It's good to be back with you. We loved having Wes fill the pulpit last Sunday, and I'm excited to be back now to continue this study on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. Even though we finished going through the armor last week in verse 17, what we're going to find this morning is that verse 18 is directly connected to that as Paul is giving us instruction about what it looks like to fight the good fight of the faith. So let's follow along now. Ephesians 6 and verse 18 says this, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Well, as coronavirus has unfolded this week, one of the hot conversations that's come up in the culture is, what are we going to do about school in a month? We're, it's time to go back to the classroom, and there's uncertainty about what might even be optional or what might be wise, where some people want to see kids back in the classroom five days a week. On the other side of the things, people are saying, no, it's, it's not safe enough. We need to be fully online. And others are trying to work out a middle ground between uh, online and on campus in a hybrid format where you're there some days and they're uh, not there other days. And I'm sure in this room, there are all sorts of different opinions about that. But let's think for a moment what it might look like to imagine going into the classroom of your heart. Let's imagine that we took, uh, took up that classroom and there was a teacher in the classroom of your heart assessing your spiritual life, looking at your spiritual journey. And if that teacher in the classroom of your heart was to assign your prayer life a grade, what grade would they give you? What kind of score would you get on that test, the test of your prayer life? And I imagine if we're being honest, uh, for many of us, myself included, that score would be lower than we'd like to admit. And so often we can think to ourselves, well, that's because I lack discipline. If I could just be more disciplined, that would help me be more devoted to prayer. But we're, what we're going to find this morning is that as we look at Ephesians 6.18, when we see spiritual warfare and how it fits together with prayer, what we're going to find is that growth in our prayer life, in fighting the good fight of the faith, faith doesn't come because we're more disciplined in prayer, but because we're more desperate for prayer. That in other words, that those who thrive in their prayer life are not the disciplined, but the desperate. Those who recognize their need of God and depend on him in the middle of the battle that we see unfolding. And I want you to think about what's happening. If you look back at your Bible, verses 17 and 18 in the original language are connected together. They're all part of one sentence. Paul is flowing from the armor of God right into prayer because they are intimately related. Prayer is not, as, not its own weapon in the middle of the battle. It's a foundation for our fight. It's something that guides us in every aspect of the spiritual battle that we are called to. And when Paul lays out for us this text this morning on prayer, what he's calling us to do is to fight the good fight of the faith by recognizing three dimensions of prayer that he's going to lay out here in verse 18. But before we unpack that together, I just want you to know something that you, unique that's going to happen this morning. At the end of our sermon, when we have the response time, we'll have the chance for you to respond by joining as a member or coming to present yourself to know more about Christ. But more importantly today, we're going to invite you, if you are willing, to come forward to the front and join us at these stairs and to pray together corporately. 
We want to not just hear God's word preached about prayer. We want to respond to it by joining in corporate prayer. And there were dozens of people that came down to the front in the first service to do that. And I want you to ready your heart if the Spirit's prompting you to do that later on today. Because what we're going to find is that Paul is walking us through these three dimensions in the text. And I want you to see the first one right there at the beginning of verse 18. Paul calls us to pray at all times. So look back at what it says there. Start of verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the spirit. So Paul speaks there, uses the the common New Testament word for prayer, and it's showing a connection between his prior commands to stand in the battle and to take up the armor of God. How do we do that? We do it through praying at all times. All times there, this idea of at any set of circumstances, regardless of the situation, there is never a bad time to pray. If you notice in this one verse, if you look back at verse 18, there are four different times where Paul uses the word all including right here at all times. There's this repetition that prayer is not intended to be something we do on occasion or when we remember to or when we think it's convenient or we really need it, but it's something that should mark our lives at all times. And when Paul speaks here of praying, he connects it to the Spirit, that we are intended to do it in the Spirit. So hold your spot right here in Ephesians 6, but look back one page in your Bible to Ephesians 2.18, and Paul's going to show us what it looks like to pray in the Spirit from Ephesians 2.18. Notice what he says there. He talks about how the Spirit gives access for our prayers when he says this. For through him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. Paul speaks there that by the salvation of Christ, when we are bought with the price, the Spirit comes and takes residence in our heart, and he now becomes the access point where we can lift our prayers to God. We know elsewhere in the New Testament, in Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, Paul is speaking about how the Spirit guides our prayers. He gives it direction even when we are feeling weak and don't know how to pray. The the Spirit is at the center of our prayer. And when Paul speaks here of praying in the Spirit, he means that our prayers should be grounded and guided by the Holy Spirit. That he is the one that shapes them, not our own desires, but his desires. And it's fitting that Paul speaks here of being uh, praying in the Spirit because it comes right on the heels. If you look back at 617 of him talking about the sword of the Spirit. Do you remember that last time we were in this text? He spoke about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's this connection between the Word of God and prayers to God. The sword of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. There's this tie-in that's there, and there's a reason for that. Because Paul is trying to shape how we think about what it looks like to pray at all times. So what does he have in mind here? When he says to pray at all times, what does he have in mind? Well, it seems to me like there are two dimensions to this. On the one hand, he is calling us to pray consistently. And then on the other hand, he's calling us to pray constantly. In other words, we are called to have a regular rhythm of prayer, but then we are also intended to experience the presence of God throughout our daily life in a a constant state of awareness of who he is and what he's doing. So let's think about that first dynamic, the fact that we are supposed to take up a consistent prayer life. One of the things that we need to recognize is that the prayerless life is a prideful life. The reason pride doesn't pray is because pride relies on itself rather than on God. 
But instead, Paul is calling us to a pattern of consistency. And I'm not sure if you've seen this like I have, but over the last few weeks, as people have tried to find new places to go on vacation during coronavirus, it seems as if my social media feed is filled with pictures of people camping and traveling out west, including a number of trips to Yellowstone. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned that in the first service, and I talked about how I've seen picture after picture of Old Faithful. I got a text from a friend who had just been at Old Faithful this week texting me his picture of the geyser. And the reason that people go out there to see Old Faithful at Yellowstone is not because it's the biggest geyser. It's not because it goes the highest. It's not because it's the most impressive. The reason is because it's the most consistent. It, it erupts over 20 times a day at a reliable pattern. And so people know that they can see and experience it because of its consistency. And when Paul talks about the prayer that we need for the spiritual battle we face, he talks about prayer that's not, he doesn't care about who prays the deepest. He's not interested in who play, prays the longest. His focus on who prays most consistently, who is praying at all times in the spirit. That's the picture that Paul is pre, uh, was providing for us. And so the question we need to be asking ourselves is how can we be the kind of people who are consistent in prayer? Well, one of the things I've noticed in my life is that I'm always facing consistent problems. There's never a time in your life where things are easy, where everything's on cruise control. There's always challenges and problems that you face. And so if we want to cultivate hearts that are consistent in prayer, then one of the easiest pathways for doing that is to pray our problems. That when the problems of life come, they don't turn us away from God in rejection. They turn us to God in dependence upon him so that we can do exactly what Paul is calling us here to, to pray consistently. But there's more to, to praying at all times than just praying consistently. Paul is also inviting us on a journey to pray constantly. So if you look throughout the New Testament, one of the most common ways Paul speaks about prayer is that of constant prayer. So think about it. He talks about praying without ceasing. Or when he writes letters to these churches right here, like in Ephesians, he talks about how I always pray for you. Or if you look back here at verse 18 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, he's talking about praying at all times. There is this ongoing two-way communication with God, this dependence, this awareness on his presence where we are practicing the presence of God and recognizing that he is with us and that he is for us throughout our daily lives. A couple of years ago, my boys asked for walkie-talkies for their Christmas gift, and they had all sorts of fun with them while they were playing outside. In fact, they gave each other code names. They called each other Double Eagle and Lion Blaze and Bookworm. They had a name for Cammy. They called her Yellow Rose, and we could hear them when they went out. The greater the intensity of the game that they were playing outside, the greater the level of communication they had on the walkie-talkies during that time. And why is that? It's because when there is heightened intensity, there is need for heightened communication. And what Paul is showing us this morning when he connects spiritual warfare to prayer is that same reality is true in our spiritual lives. That we face an intense spiritual battle and that demands an intense level of communication with God through constant prayer. That's the picture that's there. He is calling us uh, to be constant in prayer because we are constantly in the battle. And what we need to recognize is that the strongest Christians often have the strongest prayer lives. And if you talk to them, the reason that's true is not because of their strength, but because they recognize their weakness. 
They see their need for God. That dependence on him drives them to a desperation that causes them to respond to the problems of life by praying their problems in a way that lives out what Paul is calling us to, to pray at all times. But notice how this text goes on because he gives us a second dimension of what prayer in the midst of battle should look like when he says in the middle of the verse that we need to pray in all ways. So look back at the middle of verse 18. He says, with all prayer and supplication. So now Paul is talking about what to pray. He highlights these two similar but distinct types of prayers. That first one there, when he speaks of prayer, is the most common word in the New Testament used for it. And what Paul is emphasizing there is that we need to pray with childlike specificity. When he says, with all prayer, uh, you can get a sense for what he has in mind there. If you look back a page in your book of Ephesians to chapter 1 and verse 16, look at this text with me. Because Paul uses the exact same word there, it's a repeated use of the term in the Bible that is a petition or an intercession praying on behalf of others. Look at the way he words it there when he opens this letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's the term, that's the idea that Paul is calling us to pray specifically for others to lift one another up, to bear one another's burdens. Why is that? Because Paul knows that in prayer, specificity leads to visibility. That when we pray specifically, we see God move in specific ways that strengthen our faith, that help us to understand who he is and how he's working. That's one of the reasons why at our church, on our website, centralbcs.org slash prayer, if you ever go there, whether you're watching online or you do that during the week, you can always submit specific prayer requests to us. It is one of the great joys of our prayer ministry, of our staff, and of me each week to take time to pray for each of those requests that come in. We want to pray specifically for you in exactly the way that Paul is highlighting here when he says that we should pray with all prayer. But notice he doesn't just talk about all prayer, he talks also about supplication. And the idea there is that we shouldn't just pray with childlike specificity, but we should also pray with childlike boldness. He speaks there of this word supplication. It's similar in idea to to the term he just used right before it of prayer, but it is somewhat distinct. Whereas prayer is most often used as a word uh, that we lift up prayers for others, supplication was most often used in a way that expressed your own urgent need to God, longing to see him answer it. So just a few weeks ago, the Mowers retired, and we had a celebration for them in the central town square, and I was over there uh, greeting people and interacting with others, and a legacy adult in the church came walking up, and he was in his mask where I could see almost none of his face, and as he approached me, he looked at me, and he said, who am I? Do you remember my name? And I froze there. You know what it's like, that awkward moment where somebody expects you to know them, but you're not sure that you know them. And if you want an example of what a supplication looks like, that's what went up to the Lord from my mouth right then, in my heart. God, reveal this to me. I have an urgent need to know who this man is. Well, thank the Lord he met that prayer. I remembered who he was, and I was able to greet him by name. And by the way, please don't do that to me. Okay, this job's hard enough, much less than coronavirus when everybody's wearing masks. And I I have trouble learning people's names when I can't see your faces. But the idea behind it is when an urgent need 
drives us to God in dependence on him to meet that need. That is the picture of supplication that Paul is laying out there. And it's the type of prayer that we are drawn to over and over again in the Christian life, but we need a reality check when we confront this, uh, confront this concept. And the reason is because when we pray, when we bring our needs before God, he may not always change our circumstances, but he often changes our hearts. He may not change the situation around you, but what if those prayers are, are at work to change the situation within you? Paul speaks here of lifting up supplication, of coming with a childlike boldness. And the only reason that we can lift our prayers to God is because he has met us in the cross. That we deliver our prayers through Christ because God has first delivered our salvation in Christ. We can pour out our needs and our desires and our prayers to the Father because Christ has poured out his blood for us. That is the reason why we need to go to the Lord in prayer, to pray in all ways. That's why at the end of the sermon, as I mentioned, I'm going to invite you to come down here to the front and to pray corporately together that God would work through prayer and supplication to meet our needs in this moment to pursue Christ with all that we have. But notice the way that this verse finishes because Paul lays out for us the third picture of prayer that we need to see, and it's this, that we need to pray with all perseverance for all people. So look at how the verse ends. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So now Paul is addressing both how to pray and who to pray for. He says, pray with all perseverance for all people. And this portion of the verse starts off with this concept of saying, to that end. In other words, to the end of praying at all times. If that's the goal, if that's the purpose, if that's what you're longing to accomplish, how do you get there? And the way to get there is to keep alert with perseverance. He speaks there of keeping alert. In the original language, this would, would picture somebody who's lying awake at night, sleepless, Vigilant, though, because it's not like the warrior who can't fall asleep because of their anxieties. It's like the soldier who's a watchman in the nighttime, who's peering off into the darkness, noticing, knowing that the citadel is vulnerable and an enemy could come and attack at any moment, and he is alert in the midst of the possibility of a battle. And that's the picture that Paul is giving us, that in the middle of our spiritual warfare, we are looking back to what God has done on the cross. We are looking ahead for Christ's return, and we are keeping alert in the middle of the moment in prayer. If you think about the scripture, that is the opposite of what we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? You remember Mark 14, it tells us that Jesus went out to pray. He's pouring out his heart to God in prayer and supplication. And when he comes back to the disciples, what does he find them doing? They're sleeping. They're not keeping alert. There's not this vigilance that's there, but Paul tells us we need to keep alert. And why is that true? It's because we know we have an adversary who is prowling around as a roaring lion seeking those he can devour. And the only way we can press on in the spiritual battle we face is in a prayer that is done, as he says here in verse 18, with all perseverance. If you were to look throughout the New Testament, there's this constant connection between perseverance and prayer. 
that our prayer fuels our perseverance and our perseverance empowers our prayer. And that's what Paul is laying out here when he speaks of making supplication for all the saints. That you and I are intended to come alongside our fellow soldiers of Christ right here in the central family to pray for one another in a new covenant community. That we're lifting each other up so that we can continue to stand and take up the armor and to fight the good fight of the faith that Christ has called us to. And so if we want to find consistent victory in our spiritual life through prayer, we need to ask the question, what does it look like to persevere in our prayers? How do we keep pressing on in our prayers? And and one of the keys to that is what it looks like to persevere in our prayer life even when times get hard. Because I don't know about you, but when I face difficult seasons in my life, I'm prone to respond to them with cynicism. I feel sorry for myself. There's a disappointment that's there. There's this tendency to be jaded by the world around us, and the cynical heart is not a praying heart. In fact, the cynical heart is opposite of the heart that prays. It's not the cynical heart that prays. It's the childlike heart that prays. It's the one who is fully dependent on God. It's the one who is embodying the parable of the persistent widow that we see in Luke 18, where continually, relentlessly, there is a knocking at the door of heaven, longing for God to meet the need of the moment, trusting that he will do it according to his will. When times get hard, we have a choice. Will a cynical heart lead us away from prayer or a childlike heart lead us to prayer? Paul speaks there of how we need to persevere in our prayer life. And uh, that can be challenging at times, uh, but it also can be challenging when we not just seek to persevere in our general prayer life, but to persevere in specific prayer requests things that we brought to the Lord that we have not yet seen answers for. Uh, Earlier this week, Cammie ordered some backpacks for the boys to get them ready for school, and she bought them uh, on a website, and then when they asked how long would it be until they got here, she said it's going to be a week or two. And they were incredulous. How could this be? They're so used to Amazon Prime. One to two day shipping. Doesn't everybody do it that way? Why do I have to wait in order to get what I've been asking for? And I wonder how often it can be that we expect prime delivery from the Lord in answer to our prayers. We want it now. We want it on our timetable. We want it according to our priorities instead of recognizing that God is at work in the waiting. That as we persevere in our prayer requests, he is continuing to minister in the work. That's one of the reasons on a practical level why I, I keep a prayer journal. And I encourage you to think about doing something similar to this where every day I try to write down at least one specific prayer that I'm lifting up to the Lord for that day. And what I do is each week on Mondays, I, tomorrow when I open up my Bible and my prayer journal during my devotional time, I'll read my scripture, and when I turn to my prayer journal, the first thing I'll do is review those prayers that I've lifted up. And if any of them have been answered during the, that week, I will move them to a new section of the journal marked for answered prayers so I can recognize and celebrate the way the Lord's at work. And sometimes I find, I've come to the realization that the prayer I prayed was unanswered by the Lord, and I'll move that into a different section, or perhaps it hasn't yet been answered and I will leave that on the list and continue to lift it up and the reason that I do that 
is it serves as an ongoing reminder to me to do what Paul is speaking of here, of persevering in our prayer requests, to continue to put those things in front of the Lord. In fact, I can't wait to be back with you next week because in our worship services next week, I'm going to get to share with you a tremendous way that the Lord has answered one of these ongoing and specific prayers. It's going to be a huge blessing in the life of our church. There's a reason Paul is calling us to perseverance. He's calling us to perseverance in prayer because God longs to work through the prayer of his people. So there are some of you that right now have been praying for years, perhaps even decades, for a prodigal son to come home. You keep looking out in the distance, waiting to see them to return, and yet they're not there. Or maybe there are others of you who have been praying for years for a family member or a friend or a co-worker to come to know Christ and you don't see the seed of the gospel taking root in their heart. Or maybe you live in a world where you see fractured relationships and you have prayed for years that God would bring healing and restoration and reconciliation in the midst of that. Or maybe you are longing to see God uh, to bring about change in your community or in your workplace or in your situation in ways that haven't happened yet. When Paul speaks here of a prayer that is marked by perseverance, he is calling us to not lose heart that we would not give up in the midst of the battle believing that the Lord doesn't hear or that the Lord can't answer. Instead, to press on in the faith, to press on in our prayers, knowing that in God's goodness, if it is according to his will, he will meet our needs. Now, we began uh, this morning with a question. It was a question, if you were given a grade in your spiritual life on how it is you're doing when it comes to prayer, what would you get? Well, I want to finish with another question. Imagine this with me for a minute. Imagine if tonight the Lord let your heart know that he was going to answer every prayer that you've been praying. What would change about the world as a result of those answered prayers? Now, I know one easy answer with this many Aggies in the room. If we get to have a college football season this year, the Aggies are winning the national championship. We've been persevering in that prayer for a long time. But what else would be different about the world if every one of your prayers were answered? Who would come to know Christ as a result of that? Who would experience relational healing? Who would be delivered from cancer or sickness? What unreached people groups would now have the opportunity to hear about Jesus? What would change about our community? And the answer to that question reveals your commitment to prayer the type of prayer that Paul is telling us that we need in the midst of our spiritual battle. What I want you to recognize today is that the call of the gospel from Ephesians 6 this morning is that if we want to find lasting victory in the spiritual warfare that we are called to, it will only happen by fighting the good fight of the faith through prayer. Let's go to the Lord now in a word of prayer. Lord, as we come to you not just to hear your word and to hear a sermon about prayer, we're entering into this time of response, Lord, where we're going to call many of us to come to the front and pray, Lord. I pray that you would meet us in this moment, that your spirit would fill our hearts, Lord, to respond to you, just as we saw in the first service, with people that are coming forward to lay their hearts at your feet, their prayers 
at your lap, Lord, trusting that you will meet them. And I pray in this moment that you would fill our hearts with a desperation for you. I pray that we would become a people of prayer, those that are united in one heart for the lost and united in one heart for your glory. And will you do it for the sake of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to have a song that we're going to sing together just as we normally do. And if, if the Lord is working in your heart, you want to know more about salvation, we'll have ministers up here at the front who can share that with you or about what it looks like to join our church just as one did earlier today or even in this moment to pray for you. But the unique thing that we're doing, perhaps it's a little bit uncomfortable for some of you, is we're going to invite you now to come to the front as the song begins to come and kneel here and pray. Whether you're watching online, maybe you can gather together with those that are watching you, uh, watching along with you, and just to give ourselves physically and spiritually to the Lord in prayer in a corporate way. And if you're not sure what to pray during this response song, let me encourage you to take your Bible and turn back one page to Ephesians chapter 3. And in verse 14 through 21, Paul lays out a prayer. And you can just read that prayer and pray it back to God on behalf of our church. In whatever way the Spirit leads you in this moment, I want to invite you to stand as we sing and as we come forward to pray. Let's stand together now.